everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. In the next couple of episodes, I'm going to continue stories from my middle years, this time talking about the purity culture and how that affected me both in my cultic days and afterwards. What is the purity culture? If you were in an evangelical Christian youth group in the 90s or the first decade of the 2000s, then you probably already know the answer to that question. But just in case you weren't or don't, I'm going to explain it to you. The purity culture was this obsession, I guess, if you want to say it that way. It was an obsession with sexual purity. The idea that we wanted our young people to stay virgins, basically, until they got married. And and depending on how conservative the group you were with, I mean, it went even more extreme than that, as you will find out when I tell you my story. And it was just this idea of let's get these kids to remain sexually pure. And there was purity rings, purity pledges, purity balls. I mean, like, you name it, it happened. Especially once people figured out you could make money doing this. So then there was just all kinds of purity things you could buy. Purity books, you're probably familiar with Josh Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye that he has since renounced. But there was just all kinds of books out there and, you know, curriculum and speakers and, like I said, rings and pledges and all kinds of stuff focusing on this idea of remaining pure, which is an, I I don't know, it's just interesting to me that they even like grabbed that word and decided that we're pure if we don't have sex before we get married because that's not purity. So anyway, side note. There's a lot of issues that happen surrounding this purity culture, mostly because we're never going to change a broken heart with rules. And so I just want to start there. When Adam and Eve sinned at the fall and sin entered the world, we became corrupted. I firmly believe that we are absolutely corrupted at the core of our being with sin. And as I've said before, sin is not just behavior. Sin is this deep self-centeredness that colors everything. At my core of my being, I am not right. There is something about me that is broken, and that is sin. And as much as I try to get it right, it is not going to happen. And that's why I need Jesus. That's why we need the gospel. We are broken by ourselves, but Jesus came to restore us. He died. He took the punishment for sin. He brought us back into unity with God if we've chosen to trust him as our Savior, and he wants to restore us. And that's where change is going to happen. It's going to happen at the heart level. And so when we look at our broken sexuality and then we look at the purity culture, they were really trying to restore that through rules and through behavior modification. And that's kind of why I think it all went crazy and didn't necessarily help people. And there was a lot of people that were hurt by it. It It's just because of these rules. It was, you know, religion again. Religion always hurts people. But when I read the Bible and I read it in my orthodox way, it clearly shows that God designed sex to be within marriage between a loving husband and a wife designed for intimacy, for bonding, for fun, and to create children and to make a family. That was the ultimate goal of God, you know, having this sexual relationship with people. That was just, that was the goal. And sin happened and everything broke. And now we are all dealing with this broken sexuality. Every one of us has a brokenness to our sexuality. And that's where it is. It's in our heart. It's a broken thing. The purity culture just really messed it up a bit, I think, in some certain ways. I feel like they turned sex outside of marriage into this like worst sin possible thing. 
it was almost like this was like the worst thing you could possibly do. And there was a lot of shame and guilt that went along with the way they taught things, the way things were presented, just the whole idea. There was just a lot of shame and guilt. There was this illustration that went around for a while and somebody would wrap up usually um, maybe a ceramic heart or a cup with a heart in it. And then they would say, this is you. This is your heart. This is you. And every time you have a relationship with somebody that's not your future spouse, they would just take this hammer and like smash the box. And eventually you would end up with this broken cup or broken ceramic heart at the end. And they were like, yeah, this is what happens when you, you know, have these relationships. I mean, in my circle, it was even more extreme. It was just when you've given your heart away to somebody, when you have emotional attachment to them, which, yeah, we're not going to go there right now. But in other places, it was more like if you've been intimate with somebody else, even if it wasn't all the way, this is what's happening to you. You're getting broken. So there's just this shame and guilt that kind of was attached by it. I feel like there's a lot of damage done by almost creating an idol of sex and marriage and virginity. And it was like this was elevated even more than a relationship with God. And it made promises it couldn't keep. People were told things like, if you wait until you're married, then your marriage is going to be amazing. If you wait to have sex until you're married, your sex life is going to be amazing. And all these promises that it couldn't keep because there's a lot that goes into that. You can't just guarantee somebody is going to have an amazing sex life when they've never been educated or they have these crazy ideas about what it's supposed to be or whatever. Like you have, there's a lot that goes into having a good sex life in marriage. And you can't just promise that with these purity things. And so this is a purity culture. And if you've been hurt by it, like I am so sorry. I know there's a lot of people out there that have just been damaged by the purity culture. I know the people who did it, st- started it and were preaching it. They never meant to damage anybody. But that's what happens when you use religion and rules instead of actually getting to somebody's heart. So my story, of course, in my crazy cultic organization, we took it even farther. So it wasn't just about not dating non-Christians or not having sex before marriage. We were in this whole courtship craze. And when I say courtship, basically it was arranged marriage. And so I'm going to try to explain this to you guys because it's just so bizarre that if you haven't been there, you're going to think I'm crazy. So in my church that I was a part of, that was part of the cultic organization we were part of, this church was filled with homeschooling families, lots of big homeschooling families, very conservative. As I said before, it was dresses only for girls and long hair. And we didn't really talk to boys because, you know, you don't talk to the opposite sex. And there was just this, all these rules, no rock music and no movies more than G, maybe PG if your parents are there with you. Just so many things. And so one of the things that started happening was this courtship craze. And I think it started when I was about 15 because the girls that were getting married and courting were just a couple of years older than me. And I specifically remember how it all started because I was just like, enamored at first you know these people are oh my gosh they're courting and getting married and it seemed so romantic because this is a system this is how we did it uh we weren't really allowed to talk to each other so you didn't really know each other very well but you'd see each other at church and other youth group events and so you kind of had an idea of who you thought the other person might be even though you didn't really know them and so a young man would get you know a young woman and take his catch his eye and she's like yeah she's cute i think i like her i think this might work and so he would go to his father and say hey dad i like so and so I think she'd be a good partner for me. And so supposedly they would pray about it and then they would approach her father and they would say, hey, we think that this girl is going to be a great wife for my son. And so that father would pray about it. 
And unbeknownst to the girl, who has no idea what's going on yet, these three men would make a decision. And then they would bring it to her. And it was basically, by the time it got to her, it was almost like God has done this. Like, we're already we're already in agreement that God is doing this. And so what do you say? And technically, she could say no. But there's a lot of pressure there, man. And girls just didn't have the same, I want to say rights, because it sounds crazy. But it was almost like that. They just didn't have the same ability to make decisions, I guess. And people didn't necessarily agree or think that they had wisdom kind of a thing. And so as a girl, if your dad and his dad and he have all prayed about it, then I guess it must be God's will. And so you would start a courtship. And this was basically a period of time where you sort of got to know each other because you really didn't up until this point in time. But you couldn't really get to know each other outside of hanging out with families because you were never allowed to be alone. And so they could never be alone. They always had to be chaperoned. And there was absolutely no physical contact. I very clearly remember boys and girls walking around and she would have one of her arms out of her sweatshirt and he would be holding the sleeve of her sweatshirt. Or when they would pray, they would put a pencil in between them or a fork or something like that. So they're each holding one half of the pencil of the fork, but not actually physically touching each other. And it sounds bizarre, but I'm absolutely telling the truth. The worst part of it was that most of these girls were probably 17 or 18. There was a lot of people who didn't even graduate high school, homeschool high school. They just went right from their senior year into a marriage and having babies because birth control was evil. And so it was just this thing where I'm watching this happen and, you know, it's romantic. It's weirdly idealistic and you you don't see the actual things that's happening and you don't really know what's going on in their hearts. You're just watching it happen and it's so sweet and wonderful and amazing. And look at how much they love each other. And I went to these weddings where they had never even touched each other until they're holding hands at the altar. And their first kiss was, you know, at the altar which is fine. I know people who do that and that's fine, whatever you want to do, but they never even touched each other. And then you go from that to a wedding night. Yeah. Great stuff. Some of them were worse than others. Let's just put it that way. So that's how I grew up in the purity culture, like purity culture extreme. And so by the time I was 19, 20, single still, I was beginning to feel like an old maid. Now, part of that was because I had made a vow when I was 15, because, you know, woohoo. And it was a weird thing. Our leader of our cultic organization really did not want people to get married. Like, he really tried to challenge you to stay single as long as you could. He was single. He had never been married. And he wanted people to work in his organization. He wanted free labor. Actually, you had to pay to come work at his headquarters and other places like that. Like, you physically paid to be there. But he wanted workers. He needed people to work for him. And so he didn't want you to get married young, but somehow that was a big thing at my church. So the church was like marrying off all these teenagers. And uh, so, you know, by the time I was 19, 20, I was an old maid because nobody had come for me yet. And part of that was because I had made this vow. So when I was 15, I went to this seminar with our organization and the illustrious leader had challenged us all to make a vow to remain single until we were 20. And so I did. And I don't even know. Vows just seemed so serious back then. It was a big deal. You couldn't break a vow. And so I had made this vow to remain single till I was 20. So that kind of just put me off. I mean, I wasn't even on the radar of these people because they knew I couldn't be married until I was 20. So why wait that long when you have a perfectly good 17-year-old right over there? So I was off the radar for that. And my dad um, was pretty good at saying no. 
I found out later that there was somebody who had come when I was 18 and he was like, yeah, I know she needs to grow up. Goodbye. And so I appreciate that. You know, thanks, dad. Thanks for being smart, smarter than the rest of us crazy people. So there I was, an old maid, 21-year-old, not really sure how to interact with boys or men or anything like that. It was just this strangeness. However, at the same time, I was a natural flirt. I've always been a natural flirt, and it's just something that comes naturally. So there was this awkwardness. Like, I didn't really know how to interact with boys. I would end up being very awkward and strange. Fortunately for me, when I was 21, I went to summer camp where I had to interact with boys and they were normal boys in the real world, like normal young men. And I had to interact with them. And I also was, you know, encouraged to be crazy and weird and silly and awkward. And so it was just great. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine how it turned out without summer camp. Seriously. I grew up and was able to be normal and learn how to be normal there in such great ways. So I was this, I feel like I was this weird flirtatious ice princess. Like I knew how to be an ice princess and how to like not be interested in guys or show that I was interested in guys. And at the same time, I just like really enjoyed hanging out with them and having fun and goofing around. And so as I was at my first nanny job that year on my own, away from home, in college, trying to figure out life and boys, the whole boy area was, I just laughed because Anytime I was actually interested in somebody, like, oh, he's kind of cute. I kind of like him. Oh, he's fun. Like, I didn't really know how to do that or how to even express that I was interested. And so they never even noticed me ever, which is probably a good thing because I tended to follow like players. I didn't know about that. I was just so innocent and naive, but I just, that's who I fell for. But the guys who managed to get through my ice princess slash flirtatious barrier were always these awkward, oblivious ones who just maybe didn't notice that I was trying to be an ice princess. I don't know. There was a guy, we'll call him Marvin, and he was at my church when I was a nanny that first year. And it was a, you know, conservative Baptist church. And there was maybe three, four, on a good day, five of us college age kids that were there. And they had like a college group kind of thing they were trying to do. And I remember Marvin, he was just not somebody that I really wanted to be with. He lived in his parents' basement, and I'm not sure he even had a job. He was just kind of a doofus. And one day after church, he came up to me, and he's like, Hey, Christy, I was thinking we should get the college group together, you know, after church tonight. And I kind of looked around, and I was like, okay, but who's here besides you and me? And he was like, <laughs> and that was my interaction with boys. Like, that was who I was attracting. And I was like, why? I don't understand. And at my crazy charismatic group that I was going to, there was this guy, or we'll call him Fred, because it matches Marvin. And Fred was an engineer, and he was very engineering. No offense to engineers out there. He was just very, I don't know, black and white, oblivious. Anyway, apparently he liked me. I didn't know he liked me. But he was like, hey, I was trying to get together some friends to go ice skating. This would be really great. And I was like, oh, I like ice skating. And He's like, yeah, can I have your number so I can call you when I get that arranged? And oblivious me, I mean, I'm just, you know, innocent. Sure, here it is, no problem. So then he later calls me and Fred is like, hey, um, you want to go ice skating? And I was like, oh, yeah, who's going? And he starts listing off couples. So-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and, and, and me and you. And I was like, I think I have a, I'm already booked that day. Like, just awkward. And so that was what I ended up with that first year. Like, I, lo- I fell for the players. I never got their attention. 
these awkward, awkward men were the only ones that were interested. And I felt like, gosh, there's got to be something wrong with me. There's just got to be something wrong with me. Which, I mean, I think looking back, yeah, I, mm, yeah, we'll just leave it there. So then I moved to my aunt and uncle's house and I was nannying for them and I was attending church just down the way and it was a great church. Oh my gosh, such a great church and so good for me. I learned so much there, such a good time and just normalizing me and helping me to understand scripture and Jesus. It was just beautiful. And they had a college group, but for some reason I never went to it. I think maybe I was just a little bit burned from everything else. But one of the first times I was there, this uh, Filipino doctor who was single came up to me and he said, hey, you should come to my singles Bible study that I have. I was like, okay. So I went and it was literally like three guys in their 30s and me. I was like, I don't know, 23 maybe. And I was like, I need some other girls in my life here. So I recruited my cousin and my cousin's friend. They're both younger than me, like four years younger than me. So it was like three 30-year-old guys, maybe four of them, I can't remember if they all came. And then all us little girls who were like pushing 19 to 23. But it was a blast. It was so good for me because these guys were just old and I was never going to think about actually dating them. Although I did go on a date with one of them once. Awkward, not happening again. Um, Actually, maybe another date with another guy too. But, you know, just simple coffee. Let's go have coffee. And then I was, you know, I'm learning. I was learning how to date. It's all good. But it was a, it was just a great year. We had so much fun. It was like the three of us little girls and then these three old men. And we did communion together in beautiful ways. We had an angel tree family that we blessed. They had all the money and we had all the time to shop. It was so fabulous. So these guys are professionals. They're professionals. They had jobs. And so they had tons of money. And they gave us college girls the money. And we went and shopped. And we bought stuff for this family. And it was just great. And so there was just these things that happened as I'm like, you know, trying to bumble my way through. How do I do this? boy girl thing and I felt really isolated and I felt very different and weird and I don't think I quite understood how different and weird I was but I just didn't know how to do it and I didn't know how to find the right person for me and I felt like I had missed all these opportunities and there was times in my life when people had showed up and they were nice people but I was like no I just can't do it I just don't think so and I don't know how that works I don't necessarily think that God has this one person out there for us that we're trying to find I think there's multiple fine options if they're Christians, they love Jesus and they love the things we love and we can be compatible. But somehow I had just never been able to make it work. I just never was brave enough to actually take the plunge, I guess. I don't know. And it just never worked out. So here I was just lonely and isolated. And I was 24. And I'm reading through my journals of being 24 and I just feel alone. Like I desperately want to be married at the same time. I'm like, maybe I'm not supposed to be. Maybe I'm just supposed to be single and just doing my thing and loving kids and loving Jesus. And and I was just, just confused. And I think part of that was the way I grew up in the purity culture and things that I thought were normal. And part of it's just a season of life. Like if you've been single, if you are single and you're in your 20s, like, you know, all these friends are around you getting married and here you are by yourself. It's just weird. And you just don't really know how to do it. And you just don't know how to find the right person. And it's just, it's just awkward. I'm going to wrap this episode up and I'm going to finish this next time. I'm going to tell you actually how I met my husband. So that'll be fun. And uh, you'll like it. It's a good story. But I want to ask some questions to close. I'm wondering how has the idolatry of sex and marriage and purity affected you? I feel like that's a big word, but it happens in the church. There is an idolatry of marriage that hurts people who are single. And there's an idolatry of sex and purity that hurts people who have, who have messed up and who have done things that they're sorry about and they wish that they hadn't done. And there's just this stuff. And I'm wondering how that's affected you. 
I'm wondering how you are tempted to fix a broken heart with rules and regulations. In the same way that the purity culture tried to fix our broken hearts with rules and regulations. How is it affecting you? What's going on in your own life? And I'm wondering what it would look like for you to dig below the surface of your own version of broken sexuality. And what does Jesus want to do in your heart? What lies does he want to expose to you? And what repentance is needed? And so until next week, I hope you will just ponder those questions. And as always, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.